Hello and welcome to Tales from the Leeds Library, the Leeds Library's podcast series in which we talk to members of our extended community about their lives, their work and their relationship to books, libraries and literature. Founded in 1768, the Leeds Library is the oldest surviving subscription library of its kind in the UK and throughout this series we'll also be diving periodically into the library's rich history to find out what makes us and our members one of the most interesting and unique cultural institutions in Leeds and the UK. I'm Molly McGrath, the project's assistant at the Leeds Library, and today my guest is Jed Aitchinson from Buy Now LS6, Leeds' first library of things. Jed is an engineer by qualification and a teacher by trade. He first heard about libraries of things in 2017, and he describes this as a road to Damascus moment. Alongside his colleagues Sarah, Mark and Lee, who all met in 2020, Jed worked to found the Library of Things in Leeds, which opened in October 2021. So hello, thank you very much for chatting to me today uh, this is a slightly different podcast from usual um, because we are talking about a library but it's not a library of books it's a library of things so can you firstly tell me a little bit about buy now ls6 and what you do uh so buy now ls6 library of things is is like a book library but instead of uh, being books media cds etc it's all the things in, in people's lives that they don't use super often so classic example being a power drill you only use that once every few months once every few weeks and or never in some cases <laughs> <laughs> well the the anecdote we always quote is that the average power drill gets used for 13 or yeah the a power drill gets used on average for 13 minutes yeah in its lifetime which is a complete waste of resources and so there's so many things like that that we don't use super often and why should we have to store them buy them and um you know look after them when we don't have to and that's what what we do at the library we lend them to people so you're based um, in Headingley, is that right? You're, you're based in the, the church. Yeah, so we went. Uh, we rent a lovely room from the Headingley Methodist Church, um, and it's about fifty square meters, so uh, a bit bigger than the room we're in right now. <laughs> and uh, and but it smells pretty similar though. They both okay. have a kind of you know this uh, kind of musty, yeah, old thing smell. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's nineteen oh eight. Our our room was built, and the whole church is eighteen forty five. It was built. Okay. So not yes. quite as old as your one. Not quite. Well, yeah, we're, as I was saying, we're, we're kind of in a new section, um, but it's not that new. It's over um, 100 years old. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so we've got a lovely room. We're in Central Headingley, so we're John Chapel Street, which is uh, runs parallel to North Street, um, and it's just off of the, the Otley Road. So, And we, need, we put signs out onto Otley Road when we're open. So mm. we're relatively easy to find and easily accessible. Mm. And um, we're open on Fridays uh, 4 to 6 and Saturdays 1 to 4. And, and if you look at... Those are constrained times. We understand that, but a we're partly all volunteer run, and b most of the libraries are open not not super often because if you lend it for a week, you don't need to be open every day because mm-hmm. you've you've got your stuff out. You can't really do anything. But you also have a great online catalogue, which I was having a scroll through. There's some good. There's some really good bits in there. Bird feet costume was. Yeah. Well, my what's favorite. funny about the the stuff we get is it is random because it's all donated. So yeah. while we have like plans for some things, we'll never will hardly ever refuse to take something yeah, yeah, yeah. and so we just get the kind of flotsam and jetsam of, and so all the costume stuff was actually given to us by someone that worked at like a, a production company that, and they're trying to like offloading some of their set department stuff that's cool so we just you know it's these wonderful things you just get given because yeah a production company does have a lot of old costumes yeah. they don't need anymore and we can hopefully make better use of them and so much nicer to have like a a, a a costume that has a bit of a story behind it than just like something yeah. you're going to wear on the Ollie Run and then <laughs> throw away. Although, uh, speaking of the Ollie Run, I would really like it if, you know, not only people use us for the Ollie Run, but we I'd love to be able to offer like a costume exchange almost. Mm. You give us one good costume, we'll give you a new one. Mm, like not even put it in idea. the library, but like yeah. costume in, costume out. Yeah. And like we'll have a constant turnover 
and it would just idea. be a much better way of dealing with what must be a huge amount of waste clothing and waste costumes that either get sit in people's bedrooms yeah. or get um, thrown away in the big clear out when all the students move out. Library of costumes. <laughs> well, there is actually there's two already in the city. There's one at the Leeds Playhouse, mm-hmm. and there's another one at the Leeds Community Arts thing. So there's okay. actually two library costumes, and they're somewhat fancier than we ours are but there are technically two costume libraries already in Leeds is it I mean it's interesting that yeah I suppose library of libraries of things do exist in various guises yeah. although they're not so... or they're called like tool rental places yeah exactly. or they're called you know what's really weird is if we're talking about libraries is libraries of things is so much more common in North America than it is in the UK okay a lot of libraries in the US have like there's another thing they have like a cake pan section so if you're mm. making a nice cake or making a nice bake or whatever you could borrow a cake pan and they've really pushed at the um the library of things component and some of them have um i was doing some research a few weeks ago to buy some stuff for our library and there's some machines called a cricket machine mm-hmm. which is like a, a crafting machine and loads of libraries in north america or you know a few dozen libraries in north america have these machines already that you can just borrow to do a creative project with so the north american content is far more ahead mm. of us than we are with incorporating libraries of things into normal civic libraries yeah i mean and we'll talk about it a bit later actually but i think it's it the the concept of a library of things is is funny in a way because i think that when you it's nice because it kind of builds this sense of community but actually it's we have there's only that lack of sense of community because we live in these weird kind of isolated four bedroom houses and no one lives with their extended families and we don't have that to, to to start with um but anyway, yeah, I've got some questions about that later. So I kind of want to ask you about actually the 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 idea behind the library, how it got started. So you've been open since October. What was the story behind setting it up? Uh, it's a pretty simple one. It, it was, I was sent an article about it by my mother and I thought it was, the, and I was, that was 2017, I read it, maybe 2018. And it was just like a road to Damascus moment. I think I said that in my email. It was like, mm-hmm. it was the most wonderful thing I'd ever heard of. And I, and I was 20 something at the time and, it was an alien concept which is fine but I, I learned about it I just captured it in my brain put on ice to have a sort of a career in education and stuff like that and then came to Leeds and what's quite fortunate is lockdown happened or, or COVID happened mm. I, I had substantially less work to do by virtue of working from home and so I had more kind of mental brain space to do mm. library of things stuff and it took I was working on for about six months and then I met my wonderful team uh, Sarah, Mark and Lee and we started working it in sort of late November of 2020. And it took us about 10 months from flash to bang. So we had some ideas and some documentation and some resources at that point. But from that point to, to opening our doors, it was 10 months. Which mm-hmm. I, Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. That, I mean, it seems, yeah. And how has the first um, six months been-ish? Uh, it well, been I think you months? can probably, yes, yeah, seven, seven months and seven months and probably 18 days since yeah. we've been open. Uh, not that I'm counting. Um, our first day open was the eighth of October. Um, like a birthday. It's like my. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like yeah. I'm gonna remember Your a loved one's birthday. birthday. Yeah, it's the second <laughs> birthday. Uh, where's the birth of the life? You're a, a Libra. I think. I don't know. Wait, are you saying the the Library of Things? The Library of Things, not oh, you. I okay. wasn't trying to guess your stuff. So okay. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> uh, you could split it down to two parts. Like it was, you know. A, I wouldn't say it's like been a exponential growth, but you know, it takes a while for things to, to get mm. working. Like the beginning was slow, really slow. And there's a lot of, not iterative things, but it was just, we made a lot, not, we didn't make a lot of mistakes. It was just a huge amount to do. Like we opened maybe a, a bit prematurely 
And um, we are open and we are doing loans. We're also doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff at the same time. And now we've kind of hit, not our stride, but things are going substantially better now, partly because of the spring, partly because of the, the lack of COVID. And just, you know, it really helps that we've got 1600 members now and in january we had about 600 wow so in a, in in the last three months yeah five months we've we've gotten a, th- a thousand new members and what's really cool to me is the last seven weeks we got five we got yeah in the last seven weeks we've got 650 new members wow yeah because we were on the, the bbc really helped i post a lot on facebook and i just did some really good marketing and oh we also you, I'll say thank you to them here, but Leeds Recycles, um, which has about 7,000 followers on Facebook, yeah. did a story about us or, or pushed out some some material about how we can help with recycling yeah. and about waste reduction. And so and the, the, so the council department there that runs that is, is our, our dear friend. I and so that... all those things in the last seven weeks, combining together 1,600, and, 1,600 six, 1669 members as of this yeah. afternoon. I think that says really nice things about Leeds, actually, that people are, are really interested in looking at kind of different sustainable models of, of living and buying and, and actually the institutions are prepared to support that as well. I think that's really positive. But can you tell me about a bit about you and, and, and kind of, I guess, how you you mentioned that your mum sent you this article. Were you always interested in sustainability? And Yeah, of- I mean, I, I did civil with environmental engineering at university. Mm. Um, and so I... I've always been interested in sustainability, but I didn't know how to turn it into a career or, or how what facet of it to sort of focus on. And um, you know, I've, and also it's about lack. You know, people can be interested in sustainability, which I am, but I also really don't like the idea of waste. Mm. Waste irks me. I really to reduce waste is obviously a really useful tool, or mm. to reduce consumption and reduce waste. Mm. So I, I really, yeah, just it just uh, I, I there's not you know people always ask and say you know this is the best idea you know why aren't we doing more of it? But there isn't there really isn't in the UK at least, a single downside to a, to a library of things. Mm. There's, there's no one really losing uh, in the UK. You could say that maybe Chinese factories are pumping out those goods now, but uh, I don't care for, for the, um, you know, the growth projections of Chinese factories. Yeah. It's more about people having access to things in the UK and saving money and karma. That's one real downside is in theory there's less production in well, places like China and developing nations. Um, but in the UK at least, it's a it's a win win win. There's yeah. not a single downside. Um, and can you tell me a bit about your um, your collection? I cl- I call it a collection because that's what we call our collection here. I guess it's we call it an inventory. I think, inventory. I think we have a bit more of a, an, a you know a pragmatic approach. To yeah. It, a bit more of a. Can you? What are some of the? Well, I suppose what are the objects that you would expect to find that you have the most of, and then are there any kind of weirder ones that that uh, surprised so you? So if you know, I'll, I'll talk in broad terms about all libraries, but. You know, the, the most popular stuff is basically it's a high value, infrequently irreplaceable item. Mm. So in most libraries, the number one most borrowed item is a carpet cleaner mm-hmm. because they're like a wet and va- or a wet and dry vacuum. They're very expensive. They're used infrequently and you can't really replace with anything less expensive. Mm. That is that is the core. You know, if you can t- encapsulate a library of things in one object, it's a carpet cleaner. But then, you know, probably second or third most popular stuff like... Um, Pressure washers are very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, wallpaper steamers are very popular. A power drill is very popular. Um, you know, our air mattresses are quite popular. Um, our um, disco ball is surprisingly popular. We it's just all these things that just you know make things that little bit better, and you just can't do without. Or our ladder is really popular as well. Our folding ladder, we've got a really nice ladder. Or the the um, 
a garden shredder we've got is really popular because mm. you can't replace it with anything else. You don't use it super often, and it's expensive. People aren't going to buy. People aren't going to borrow something they use all the time, or if it's cheap, or if they can get a, a cheaper equivalent. Mm. Um, and so that's that's where a library fits a, a niche. That's a really interesting way to look at it, actually. Has anything surprised you with how popular it's the, been? The disco ball, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love my disco ball. I, I, I lent it to the library. <laughs> uh, I, I bought it for a 1970s party um, that I had. And, you know, it's been lent out nearly 10 times now, which yeah. doesn't sound like a lot, but we've got items which have ne- never been lent out. Yeah. And so it's great. Um, and what's becoming more popular is our karaoke machine is becoming increasingly mm. popular because that's again you can't really that. make it up with something else our pizza oven that we bought with um some grant money mm. you know it's um booked out or it's reserved until august because mm. it, it's really expensive it's a really fun thing to do and you aren't going to use it super often and it's quite bulky as well so mm. and it's just a, it's a wonderful thing to have and it's let, letting people have these really fun barbecues our folding tables and gazebos are becoming increasingly popular our our camping stuff is becoming increasingly popular as, as the weather improves and as we grow and mm. it becomes camping season. So, um, yeah, that's, that kind of stuff is, is the best, I'd say. I didn't know you had a pizza oven and yeah. I... Uni pizza oven. I mean, maybe it'll be booked up until September soon when three, I get on the it's website. It's £330 to buy an uni pizza yeah. oven for something you might use once every yeah, once yeah, a month yeah. or something. It's that's stupid amazing. to buy it. Um, and so this is from a kind of a library point of view, actually. How do you organise everything? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, I, 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 it's a little bit better than organised chaos. Mm-hmm. We Everything has a lot. So we actually, every library operates differently. Every library has a, a cataloguing system that's not bespoke, but they figure it out. And so we went with lot and then a, a three-digit and soon-to-be-four-digit number. And then we have sections of the library. So we don't have a Dewey Decimal system, mm-hmm. but we have codes, but they're not... Like one item could be 001 and then 002 could be completely different. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't really help us, but the sections of the library really help us. Mm. So we've got a, like a camping section, a DIY section. We've got specific shelves for specific items. So you can get pretty coarse. You can find it coarsely pretty darn quickly. And then what's different to a book library and our library is, and I was thinking when you asked me the question, it's, you know, all books look pretty similar. Mm. so mm. but we can yeah. <laughs> we can visually identify oh they need the power drill we'll get that one yeah. it's not that we have to look on the spine in the small text it's like oh that's a garden shredder it's pretty obvious that's a garden yeah, shredder yeah, so yeah, that makes sense, whilst actually. an organization system it worked and we, we've never we've lost a few things in the library but then refound them yeah but i've never not been able to find something for i'm sure work. we've lost things here as well <laughs> and refound them. um but it yeah organization isn't the hard bit and so what's quite nice as well is you know, you'll pick something off the shelf and you'll see the number on it and then they'll go to the, the checkout area and then they'll you'll ask them, oh, what's the number on your item? And you'll mm. type it in and then... So it's mm. it's an elegant system. It does... And yeah, I mean, actually, I was the online catalogue is really good and usable. I've said it before. I just was really impressed by it. Like, Oh, I completely disagree. Do you? Yeah, I see all the time, but I know there's some... Not big problems, but we've got some badly categorized things if you really dig some into some things it, are difficult yeah. to categorize well yeah but that's not an excuse um and our descriptions can be a bit half-assed mm. uh we need to do better descriptions for some items some items are fine like a screwdriver is pretty self-explanatory yeah but we've got some items that we need to um describe better i suppose also there's there's a kind of an element maybe of, of being like you might not think you could use this but actually this is a really useful thing mm. or something like you know um maybe a power washer someone might be like oh, i don't know how to use that mm. and, and maybe it's kind of letting people know that it's easy and um well, one of the things we, we also 
uh, try and do, or I try and do, in shop is like say, oh, you're wearing this. Do you need anything else? And so you'll, yeah, you know, you advocate for the other things you have to make the event even better, even mm. easier. One of the things I really like about the concept of the library of things is that it, it kind of, it really democratizes this uh, the ability to do things. Yes. And I, I think about. Um, kind of maybe students who want to do projects but can't afford the yeah. equipment and I think one of the things I love about Leeds is that it has such a strong DIY scene and independent scene so I suppose with that in mind are there any projects that have been facilitated by the Library of Things so far that you can think of that um, wouldn't have been able to happen without it or I mean I guess yeah any um, events or uh, even like parties or things. Yeah, I mean, so I, I'll, I'll give you a few good ones, I think. So this weekend, actually, we had a guy came in he and he borrowed a large uh, camping backpack, a really nice one that we had donated to us and uh, a waterproof jacket because he was going to Brazil backpacking for a month. Mm-hmm. And so he gave us he gave us some money um, and then, you know, he saved £100 um, by borrowing or £130 borrowing instead of buying which is mm. just great so we've made it easier for him to do backpacking in brazil we've had people borrow our pizza oven to do an eid celebration so mm. obviously you celebrate eid um and they did use had a pizza one which is quite fun we've had people borrow our stuff for we're getting some people who are going to borrow our stuff for a wedding mm-hmm. we've got people borrowing stuff for the jubilee events like the jubilee street parties we've got we've had a person a woman, uh, you know, a uh, sing- single mother, uh, uh, you kind of fled, fled um, some domestic abuse or something, and she wanted to go camping with her kids for the weekend, and so she borrowed four hundred pounds worth of camping stuff, like the whole kit and caboodle, and coming back to pay, she feels she didn't make a a, a donation because she simply couldn't mm. afford to, and so we've made it possible for a child or children and a, and a mother to enjoy and have a great experience together that they simply wouldn't have been able to have to before. Mm, that's amazing. And it's 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 great that you can actually quantify how much money you're saving people as well. I think that's a real a benefit of it. But I saw a kind of, um, in one of the other kind of interviews that you've done, that you could you could see how much, um, you had this statistic about how yeah. much um, carbon, carbon you'd yeah. saved. So there's a carbon footprint calculator. And if you do some um, assumptions, you can basically equivalent one kilo, or excuse me, one pound of money spent mm. equates to one kilo of carbon produced. Mm. And so for every basic, for every pound you save, you save a kilo of carbon. And so we've saved people, it's hard to be, give an exact number, but it's at least, it's, a, it's at least 1,600, excuse me, it's at least 16,000 pounds, probably closer to 20 now. Mm. So you save people 20,000 pounds in seven months and that means 20 tons of carbon yeah that's um, amazing yeah it is and you know that that's one library in its first seven months and you know, we're going to get to the point where you know we'll probably get to a point in um the next month or two where we are saving ten we we're saving people ten thousand pounds per month because mm. we'll grow our membership and we'll you know be much busier because of summer season Mm. Um, I suspect we'll get to the point where we're saving people £10,000 a month and 10 tonnes of carbon a month. Mm. But the sustainability aspect of it as well is amazing. And it makes me, I mean, it makes me think of, you know, you get to like July and all the students move out of their houses and there's just loads of kind of yeah. old mattresses and old yeah, blankets and things left they don't, on the street. They want, they're not great for a library though, that's the problem. That's true, that's true. A lot of the stuff, this is the problem. I love the idea of the big clearer and I've done some of the work, I've done some stuff going around picking up stuff from it but it, the problem with it is is it's well it's, it's not good for a library but it would yeah. be great for i've got I, i've 
if you allow me to indulge me, I've got an idea about the big clear out anyway. You, I'm convinced that if you collect up all the student staff, like the cutlery, because I think all the, and I'm speaking of kind of third party, if you, all the houses and all the student houses have to be completely cleared. Mm. Like they don't even, they don't even come furnished with like crockery and plates and stuff as far as I'm aware. Mm -hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, that's, that's what I know. And so they have to be completely cleared out. So why couldn't you collect up the plates and crockery and pots and pans and, you know, microwaves if there are any clothes horses and just simply collect them, some organization or some thing, and then give them out to the new students mm. in September. So why you wouldn't lend it out for a week or two like we do at a library, you could lend it on a long-term basis. So we mm. give them these sort of secondhand stuff and then 10 months, 11 months later, we get it back and then we give it back out again. Mm. That to me would be a more... It's still lending, but it's a much more long-term lending system. No, exactly. That, to me, would be the best solution to deal with the big clear-out. Or really, the best solution would be to change the, the landlord's legislation or change the, the way they view furnished properties and at least just let them let the crockery stay or let the plates and stuff stay so they don't mm -hmm. have to be completely cleared out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, But I think that it's one of those... I mean, the problem of stuff and overproduction and overconsumption is so huge anyway yeah. that actually... It's really nice to see successful examples of like agile and innovative thinking and ways of getting around that, I think. Yeah. But I, I mean, when I was researching this podcast and I was, I, I was thinking about the Library of Things as a concept and I was thinking it's so um, kind of indicative of our current moment and, and generation as well, actually. I think a lot, for a lot of people under 30, the possibility of buying a house is, is quite slim. Um, at least while they are under 30. Um, more people are likely to travel for work. More people are likely to be, or unlikely to be able to afford expensive equipment um, to do DIY projects or to have like fun parties or to create um, whatever uh, artistic content. Um, so my question then, I mean, so I can see that there's an obvious value for people who you know like the example you gave of the mum who took her kids camping for people who need that stuff who wouldn't have access to it otherwise but my question is then kind of for people who can afford that stuff people who do have loads of space what is the value and use of a library of things why when when you can afford to buy more stuff what's the point of not what's the point of buying less yeah i thought about that question and my response is you know, just buy something else. Mm. If you want to buy stuff and have the money and space to buy it, great. I'm not against consumption if it's something you want and need and whatever and can afford. But, you know, instead of filling your house up with the stuff you don't use super often, mm. instead you can now afford to buy better stuff or more fun stuff. You know, for every, you know, people have this idea about a library is, you know, one of the concerns you could say is that, um, which will come back to what you said is people think, oh, you know, they're not buying all this stuff anymore. What about the high street? People are going to, you know, jobs are going to be lost. You know, oh no. And yeah, some some people, some some um, shops, some sectors are going to, in theory, get less customers because of what we do. But my response to that is, now the consumer, the, the borrower, the, the user of the library now has more money to mm. buy something else instead. Mm -hmm. So all that happens is the economy now shifts or the, the, the shop fronts shift to things that people do actually want to buy. There's mm. so many things in our life that we don't, I don't want to buy a lot of things, but I have to. You know, who wants to buy toilet paper? You have to. Who wants mm. to buy all these things that we don't want to, we just need to. And now, because if we get away, if we allow people to not buy the things they don't want to, they can now spend the money or spend the time or spend the resources on something they really do want to do. 
or that could and that could also just be saving money as well mm. so it's it's i think it's you know anyone can use it and fine if you don't use it don't but you could certainly divert some better resources to a better place than having to buy something that just sits on a shelf most of the year and you can support like local independent makers and you can support yeah. people who aren't big kind of corporations yeah and it's interesting i think because we've had that shift of mindset in terms of work and jobs and finding roles that aren't you know when things become increasingly automated we've had a shift of mindset where we've kind of changed the way that we work in that we do more um yeah information-based work and we do stuff that's not just you know like producing stuff that machines can do so i mean it's an interesting thought in terms of sustainability that perhaps we can have another mind shift like that you know perhaps we can focus on buying things and spending our money on sustainable projects and local economies um so yeah i don't know maybe we've just solved the climate crisis i don't think so one of the points that i particularly liked in the principles in your handbook um was we value people and their stories and narratives above the stuff which i thought was interesting because you are a library of things um but so much of our identity is tied up in the stuff that we have uh, i love stuff um are you a minimalist or a hoarder and do you think that i mean uh, this has just occurred to me do you think that the idea of s- swapping out your possessions kind of helps us live a life that is less more is is free of stuff or do you think it just it kind of increases our reliance on stuff um i really enjoyed that question when I read it and I have a few opinions about stuff and, and what I am uh, I would call myself the I'm a hoarder but what I do is I'm a hoarder who never buys anything mm-hmm. so everything I have sits in like an equilibrium mm-hmm. so I have a lot of stuff but it doesn't grow and it doesn't shrink mm-hmm. big relate <laughs> um, so I, I don't like buying things I, I like but I like the stories that everything I have has meaning and I know that's like a hoarder mentality which is mm. I think it's a bad part of it but I I don't have a lot, but, you know, I don't get... The things I have with stories, they don't come... They're few and far between, hmm. which is fine. Or it grows very slowly. Um, and so I'm, I'm a hoarder who, who doesn't really buy anything. But I have things I've had since I was a child that I refuse to throw away. Mm. Partly because it's like, um, I like it and I care about it and I want to tell a story through it. And I like to tell a story about why I have it or what it mm. does or what it means to me. But also it's like a, like a caretaker relationship with it in that, you know, I'd like to think that one day... I'll give it to my child or my grandchild or find a worthy place for it, mm. which is another a hoarder mentality is they don't want to see things go to waste mm. or they don't think that it's, um, you know, it could become useful one day. And I, I, I do hold that opinion. I really don't like to get rid of things because it could be useful one day mm. or they could you know, have its best use one day because if it just goes to landfill or something. Now, I know there's better ways of getting rid of things, but that's how I do collect. One, well, the only thing I like would call myself a collector of is... Um, army surplus jackets big 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 puffy jackets big army puffy jackets i really like Mm. a nice big parka i like i like like pockets i like things with pockets on yeah like as many pockets as i can on things and i like ideas i like that sounds like a a man who loves stuff (laughs) i do (laughs) lots of pockets but that's uh i mean i'm well yeah uh but i mean you'd have to be you have to have my mindset to do the library though yeah 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 i kind of not it's not in a selfish way but the library is like have I curated the collection? Yeah. I have to decide what I think people use. Yeah. And and what I will use and, you know, think other people are probably going to use it if I wanted to. So 
is the library an extension of my hoarding? Probably, but it's like the most useful hoarding you can do. Mm. But I like that like tension. I think I feel it definitely in myself as well. I love things. I love things that tell stories. I love mm. old things, but I hate having feeling like cluttered. Um, which, yeah, honestly. But then you, that's just a question of organization. The well, clutter is just yeah. some things that are unorganized or not. not in the but it's nice not to feel like tied down with the amount of stuff we have, you know. But I think that's quite a. I mean, do you think it is? It's useful to attach a moral value to the amount of stuff we have or our relationship with stuff. Um, I mean, that's a. I think that's such a. It's not a loaded question. It's like, who who can say how much stuff one? Yeah. Per, that's such a. It's a bit of a flippant response. It's like, well, it depends how much stuff you need. But I, yeah. I do think that I'm not going to get. I don't think anyone's worse or better for having less or more stuff. It's yeah. some, I think a family or a career that requires a lot of individual items justifies having morphs. I think it's just about too much or, or things that are being wasted. What, yeah. what I think you could attach some value is are the things you own being used to the best of their ability? And perhaps also, are you looking after your things? Mm. One of the things we do at the library and why I think a library is a great thing is that we can... A, invest a bit more time in the maintenance of items that perhaps one individual wouldn't mm. because we serve so many people with it. And also we can also invest in acquiring really high quality, well-made, long-lasting products. Mm. So instead of people, 10 people buying 10 bad drills, we can afford to buy two really high quality ones, which in mm. the long term will save more money and more carbon mm. than buying 10 badly made ones. And we can also have a maintenance kind of routine and procedure where we mm. look after and repair our things a bit like um, repair cafes do. So I, I also take pleasure in, you know, high quality items that I own and the idea of taking care of them. Mm. Again, it's this caretaker mentality. It's like, you know, we're, we're so lucky that we have these things. I'm so lucky to be able to afford these things and be given these things and acquire these things by hook or crook. And it would be a shame. It'd be a, a waste uh, coming out to waste. It'd be a waste to, to not treasure and to not, mm make it last as long as possible mm. and then that comes back to like you you care for it which what comes first do i love it because i care for it or because i've cared for it i end up loving it mm. or do i care for it because of the story or does my care and longevity of it mean it accumulates a longer and better story the longer i have it mm. so it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy of you know the longer it lasts the better it is the more stories you gain from it and the more it means to you yeah it's interesting I, and i asked this question about kind of ascribing moral value to 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 not having very much stuff because I think there is a whole a kind of with minimalism I think it it often does the opposite of what it sets out to do and it encourages people to buy cheaply and to dispose of things in order to not have very many things um because they're you know they're trying not to feel weighed down but actually that ends up kind of creating this disposable lifestyle which doesn't help anyone um and is is often worse than than you know being a hoarder in a way i think um so it's i, I don't think, know i've never seen a house collapse because of minimal, minimalism you've well, seen houses true. collapse because of hoarding that's true i just yeah i don't know i i kind of associate it with this um i guess a kind of silicone valley like techie like maximizing yeah. your potential at all times kind of life but there's that there's that really funny picture which is like you see on twitter it's like men think it's okay to live like this and it's just like a <laughs> yeah, chair yeah, yeah, and a yeah, video exactly. game and a tv but like I kind of sympathize or I kind of lean more towards that because if that's all you need to make you happy mm. then but then there's the other side which is like you know how many pillows does like a married couple's bed need mm. it's like is that one the bad attitude with like too much disposable stuff or is mm. the minimalist with just everything they need or yeah. can afford there 
So I think it's. I mean, yeah. It. I think it. It's fine to like having things uh, if you. Yeah. Again, it's about this attitude of having good quality objects that you are a caretaker of and that you don't you know things are useful things allow you to to create things things allow you to learn things things allow mm. you to express your interest and your hobbies but if we're not taking care of them and if we're disposing of them like and even if you are disposing of them which is fine it's part of things but at least dispose of it in the in the best way you can as well mm. so in terms of environmental impact the many benefits of a library of things seem obvious uh, which is why it surprised me to learn that there were only 10 in the country, I think. Um, what do you think are the biggest barriers to popularising this model of consumption? Uh, there's kind of two questions and answers there. There's actually well above 10. They're just very hard to find. Mm, okay. I actually found one two weeks ago that I just didn't know existed. And I've been mm. doing this for 18 months. And I, I'll give you the... I, I made a note. So there's... there's actually, The first ones are... You could... Depends how you can test it, but... The first one's, very first one in the UK at least was Glasgow. Excuse me, I tell like it was in Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. There's now also one in Glasgow run by the same kind of broad organisation. And what's cool about Scotland is they've actually put in um, kind of a grant fund to start up libraries of things across Scotland. Oh, wow. For, it's about £300,000 uh, for libraries of things and repair cafes to get going. Yeah. Uh, which is great. So repair cafes are, that's where you can take Yeah, precisely. Things. So it's kind of skilled crafters repairers uh, and they meet Leeds has one and actually what's Leeds actually has kind of one and a half because it's got the Leeds one generally but it's also some people are heading they're trying to start a monthly headingly one as well as one across the city um, and so repair cafes where you get experts in like the field of technology or sewing or craft or mm. me mechanics and they will help you to teach you normally they won't fix your stuff they will but it's mainly about empowerment of letting you fix, learn how to fix your own stuff if you don't mm. feel very confident. Or even if you want to fix it yourself, you can go there, use their tools to then fix it yourself. Mm -hmm. And I've used it to repair some stuff to then use in the library, mm. which is obviously really, really nice. Um, so uh, Edinburgh, Glasgow and Scotland. And what's really cool is there should be a lot more in the future because um, the Scottish National Parliament mm. um, has been this big, big grant body. Um, which is great and I think it should be brought frankly into, into, into the entire UK okay. in, in terms of ones south of the border there's one in Hull there's one in York which opened about two weeks ago so it's brand new although it's attached to a pre-existing organisation there's one in Leeds there's one in Liverpool which is a tool library technically so there's a Liverpool tool library mm -hmm. there's one I'm going to go north to south there's one in Birmingham which is called Bar Don't Buy which is like a cafe and a library of things there's soon going to be one in Manchester, I think in Levisham. Anyway, there's going to be one in Manchester soon. There's um, one in Oxford. There's soon, hopefully, going to be one in Cambridge. They're in the sort of trial phases right now. Mm -hmm. There's one in Exeter. There's going to be one in Lewisham. No, Le Letcham. Anyway, there's, there's some. There's one going to be in Cheshire. They email me because they or mm. they email us because there's like this. You know, you can count the number on two. You know half a dozen two dozen so there's you get quite a lot of emails from people saying mm. i'm strong and it says loads on the horizon uh uh like i said cheshire i think there's one there's about eight in london mm. uh there's all over london and there's one in kentish town there's one in well Crystal it reminds Palace. me of i mean groups like facebook groups like free cycle yes, yes, and stuff yes. i mean it's not the same obviously but there's it's a similar. kind of similar mentality mm. but you you mentioned that you've got a lot of emails what are the kind of tips that you you've given to people for, uh, for setting 
I will do that after I finish my list. Okay, of course. Uh, Then there's one in Plymouth. There's one in Curnow. There's one in Bristol. There's one in Bath. There's one in Lewis. There's soon going to be one in Brighton. uh, And that's it. Okay, there's there's actually a relatively large amount. I mean, there's not one in, say, Nottingham or in Newcastle. But give it time. You could probably... I mean, from most... Maybe not, you know, Land's End or Johnny Groats, but you could... uh, from most places in the UK drive to one of those I yeah think. but it's whether but then you get the question of is it is the juice worth the squeeze okay is it mm. worth you driving an hour to borrow a pressure washer mm. I mean if you earn you know, well it depends how much people value their cupboard space I yeah guess. and it depends how much people value their time and carbon and so it's tough I, I, you know if you look at the demographic if you look at the st- stats about where borrowers come from there's a stat from London which is a bit skewed because of the density of the population but something like 80% of the users come from within one come from within one mile, mm-hmm. and there's a good there's a heat map that Hull generated, which looks like about fifty percent come from when, come from within one kilometer. Mm-hmm. Um, and from our experience, people are not willing to go super far to borrow something cheap. Mm. They will come far to borrow something expensive, which is fine. That's just the nature of time versus resources in and out. Mm. People are willing to invest the time to save all this money. They're not willing to invest that time, which is equivalent to money, for something cheap. So we get people coming from further afield to borrow high-value items, whereas we've had, you know, no one would come from Beeson to borrow a screwdriver, mm. but they have come to borrow our dehydrator, mm. which is a very expensive item. People come from right across the road to borrow some screwdrivers, but um, you know, so it's about resources in, resources out, mm. which is, and that's people's discretion to make that choice. And I, I want as many people to use it as I can, but I'm not going to force anyone, nor am I going to you know, disparage them for not coming when they bought one instead because the mm. it wasn't worth their time and energy and money to, mm-hmm. to travel. Um, so that's, that's libraries of things in the UK. Um, and they're all across the Western Hemisphere. So the UK is not particularly special. I think that we have more than, say, Europe, the continent. Mm. Um, but we there's certainly, there's quite a lot in Australia. There's a lot in Canada. There's a lot in America. And America has obviously this culture of libraries of things within normal civic libraries. So even if I said there is, you know, a hundred libraries of things in, in, in the, the United States, which there aren't, there are probably going to be thousands more library-like things, library-like components of normal civic libraries. Um, so my top tips or, or what I tell people is, um, I think actually the formula to make a successful library is very, very easy. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's easy. It's hard to do. It's easy <laughs> to say. All you have to do is get a large number of people... Mm. and a large number of high-value um, items that people want to borrow. Mm. That's literally it. That is, you get high-value items that people want to borrow, things they want to borrow, and you tell enough people that it exists so that they use it frequently enough, okay? Mm. Um, and, you know, obviously it goes without saying that you want to be open at the correct um, time. You know, you want to be open frequently enough. You want to be in the right location. So you want to be easily accessed. You want to be easy for people to park and get to. Um um, and you want to, you know, make it easy for people to use it. I the right pricing model, the right um, kind of publicity about it, the right um, check in and check out procedure. You don't want to make mm. things harder than it needs to be. But at the end of the day, it's a question of volumes. Like like mm. any business in the day, it's a question of having stuff that people want, and having the people that want to borrow the stuff. Mm. And then what's cool is you obviously start growing in terms of items. So you can. What's amazing to me is you can get. Say you had a little surplus one month 
you can invest in a new item, which results in a new borrower, which results in more money next month, which mm-hmm. results in a new investment. And new... So it's, it's this beautiful cycle of growth that you get, which we're kind of at the beginning of now that we can start reinvesting and growing and getting these items that we don't have yet because no one's donated them and we haven't got a grant for it. And we can invest surplus into acquiring new items, which gets us more members, which gets us more money, more stuff, more members, more. Mm. It's a beautiful circle of growth. So we have at the library um, a kind of uh, acquisitions policy where members can suggest books and pretty much within reason we'll, we'll buy them. Um, is that kind of what you hope to do with the Library of Things or do you kind of do that? How, I guess, receptive are you to people? Yeah, I, I, I want people to suggestions. tell me. I love, I love suggestions because there's lots of ideas that I don't have because mm. I'm one, one brain. Uh, and so we, we do it on a more ad hoc basis. We have asked people before what they want and maybe we'll do a survey, but people just ask us, do you have this? Mm. And I'll make a mental note and think, no, maybe I should get it. And you can look at what other libraries have. So again, we're, we stand on the shoulders of giants. So we're... Mm. We're not the youngest library, so we with huge amounts of data that we pick upon and take mm. upon to help us grow. So we can use other data to predict how we will grow and mm. other data of their demand to predict what we should get for mm. our one. Even if no one's asked for it yet, it's kind of it's like a cockroach. If you see one, there's probably a dozen more mm. you can't see. If, if there's one library wants it, I suspect other people in other places yeah. want it because people across the UK by and large but it's really I I would be so interested to see the variation and what kind of items people want in different countries and different places and uh, I think that's really interesting one of the things I like about the collection here is that it really tells the story of the kind of reading habits of Leeds because it's suggestions so it'd be nice to see a real spike of um E.L. James when uh, <laughs> that came out and then it dropped off. Is I don't it the best know, I'm ever? not sure Was it, didn't actually. Didn't it outsell the Bible? I think so. I think it outsell the Bible. Yeah, well, no, we have kind of more, um, uh, we've got a lot of niche collections. So we've got a lot of cricket books. There used to be a librarian that was very into cricket. We've got a lot of 70s books on magic, I think. Like, might be wrong. Um so yeah, it's nice when people kind of impose their personalities on the collection a bit, and there might, I think there are gaps like we have nothing on. Well, yeah, you can't help but put your stamp. On. I mean, I, I can tell you now that our library probably has a lot more cooking stuff than other libraries. Yeah, I mean, a bit of an I'm not gonna say I'm an avid cook, but I like cooking experiments. I mm. like trying new things, and so I very deliberately kind of push the narrative or push the emphasis on getting new fun cooking stuff because mm-hmm. I know that I want to to do it, and you know. I assume that other people do too, but um, but yeah, I've definitely we definitely are unique. Uh, every library is unique, but you know, and what's cool is you obviously about the area. Mm-hmm. Like we've, you know, people always told us, oh, you know, power drills, you're going to get loads of bars for power drills. We've had hardly any, <laughs> and that's a I think because we actually we can we have we've got a, a wonderful mix of people in, in Headingley, mm-hmm. but we have a lot of homeowners. And a lot and old homeowners and a lot of renters. Mm. And so renters can't do DIY by virtue of, of renting. And the homeowners who are old already have the drills. Mm. So actually we're in a, in a kind of a perfect impasse. We've, we, I honestly think we've had as many drills donated to us as we've had borrows. We could have afforded, not that I wanted to, but we could have literally just taken a drill and given it to someone else. Mm. Just because of the, the disparity. What we have really gotten a real, I don't know why, I don't know how, we have this we've suddenly we've curated this collection of what I call event stuff yeah or like party stuff or whatever so we have you know you know you could deck out a whole party of stuff we've got and I don't know any of the library that has the same angle about like you know having a great party or having a great event with us but we've got you know folding tables and gazebos and fun cooking stuff like the pizza oven and candy floss machine mm. and um, 
chocolate fountain and bunting and fairy lights and drinks dispensers and this great kind of glorious event and the karaoke machine which is also a speaker so mm. we've really kind of cut out a niche which is um like event stuff and what's cool yeah. is now that we know that you know maybe we'll expand into more stuff you maybe can we'll... invest in exactly because in if we know yeah. the demand is there i'm probably not going to buy a power drill yeah or like a really super duper power drill because i don't think people are going to they are going to want like a bouncy castle yeah, or a really yeah. big gazebo well, or a few years heading is going to have the best parties ever <laughs> yeah, maybe are there any um are there any misconceptions that people might have about library of things uh, that you can well, think I think our of? one is that people think it might only be for LSX residents or something. Yeah. Because it's in the name. But no, we just use that as a kind of an area. You know, mm. it's, it, it would be stupid to call it buying out uh, Leeds because whilst we're in Leeds, it, where is Leeds? There's lots of places in Leeds. So we, we, do call ourselves, we do call ourselves buying out LSX. But we'll, um, we, we'll happily welcome anyone to the library. Um, misconception... Um, I don't think there is one. I think it's pretty, pretty does what it says on the tin. We lend you a thing and then you bring it back mm. and you use it. I think there could be a misconception about what we hold. There could be assumptions. We, if you ask us, we'll get back to you and we'll tell you. And you'd be surprised how much stuff we have. Mm. And even if we don't have it, we can off do substitutions, mm-hmm. is, what I, is what I tend to say. We don't have this, but maybe this and this will make up for it. Mm. So um, I don't think there's any misconceptions. Um, we just want more people to use the library, enjoy it, embrace it. And, yeah. and perhaps the other thing worth talking about what one of the things i want to achieve or have achieved with the library is you know could we be could you know if if libraries are and rightfully so democratized access to knowledge mm. now the internet somewhat superseded that now but at one point a library was like a gateway to knowledge and allowed people to grow and develop and get new ideas and that's a wonderful thing and how many fantastic ideas have come from the democratization of knowledge that libraries allowed us to do could a library of things be an equivalent for stuff mm. could we if if a library of of books unlocked people's kind of mind potential could the same potential be unlocked by lending you the tools to do what you want to do mm-hmm. if you want to start up a business or create a project or create something new you can use our resources to let that happen but i think that's really that's actually so valuable because I think in the the last few years we've seen maybe a a decrease in the amount of or or, or maybe a crisis in the number of students who go to university because they think that that's you know that's what they've been told to do or that's they're going to get the best job and then as a consequence maybe people who have less practical skills less knowledge less trade knowledge less and and you know less ability to actually go and make things Mm. um and potentially a life you know and i think actually we all know the benefits of of the internet like you said that it's democratized knowledge public libraries everyone knows how wonderful they are but i think we maybe take for granted the value of knowing how to do things physically in the world you know what? knowing how to use a power tool knowing how to use a green screen knowing yeah, how to i use think i think that's ribbon. the how is that how i think is now the easier bit because mm. I, I think you can learn how wiki how you can learn how on just google you know uh, uh power drill tutorial yeah what the hard bit now is simply the material acquisition of these things yeah that's the hard bit or that's certainly harder than just watching a tutorial on youtube like i said mm. the internet has democratized knowledge what we haven't democratized is is simply the physical access to these items yeah because we're stuck in a kind of 20th century consumption model which is that yeah. you either buy it or you don't yeah tough if you can't afford it and what we do is, is we give you a third way of, and this is broadly what, what I like to call the, the, the third way. 
you know, I'm not going to say it's revolutionary, but you know, it's a it's a new model of consumption. Mm. We're, we're you're still getting what you want. You're still using the thing, but you're not have to pay for all of it. Mm. Um, I'd love, you know, if 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 libraries have allowed people to think, oh, I don't need to buy that book. I'll see if I can borrow it instead. Mm. You know, we, libraries changed people's mindset about about books. They said, you know, your first. I'd like to think that people's first thought to think of a book. Well, maybe it worked better 20, 30 years ago. The first idea with the book was, I, I shan't buy it. I shall borrow it instead. Mm. I'd love if libraries could at least intercept people's idea process and think, maybe I don't need to buy it. Maybe I can borrow it instead. Mm. I'd love if we could change people's mindset to think about that for certain items. It won't fit for all of them. Mm. But for certain items, what I'd really love to achieve is that people in Leeds, can, their first thought when they think, oh, I need to do something, is where can I borrow it instead? Mm. That's what I'd love to be able to take well, do you're so library. right because it's such a simple concept but actually when I heard changing. about it I was like of course that makes so much sense yes. why didn't I think of that you know because I mean? we're, we're stuck in the 20th and I say 20th century in a kind of we're stuck in an old school yeah we think we need to use things we have to buy them yeah that that's what we've been told in, I'm not criticizing capitalism but a tenant of capitalism that mm. we or consumerism is you're told to buy things then you buy them then you use them mm. end of story consumption but you know it's not in consumerism's best interests for us to borrow instead of buying because we spend less money mm. it is not in consumer you know seller's interest if we don't define ourselves by what we own that if mm. we start defining ourselves by what we do and how we associate ourselves and and what we create then that would you know be deleterious for someone's bottom line mm. so why I'm unsurprised by but the narrative. But ultimately, everyone buying everything, one set of everything, one set of crockery each, mm. one set of per person, isn't sustainable. And no. actually, it can't. It's in no one's best interest mm. because it can't go on forever. You know, and, and even if we, and even if you are talking about the economy, like I said the, at the kind of beginning, is you know just because people don't buy one thing, that just means they've got now more time or resources to do something else, mm. or it means they can now afford to buy organic food instead of normal because they save the money here, or they can afford to insert their home now they've saved money here or they can mm. afford to do a low or get the like a low carbon energy package tariff rather than the expensive one so yeah. money saved here could be money spent on a really beautiful thing elsewhere yeah and i also think once you once you kind of begin that process of thinking about treating things as valuable and not to be discarded that will kind of leak into other areas of your life mm. i think so we're running out of time i guess but i probably could talk about this for ages what's next for buy now ls6 do you have any upcoming projects um and how are you planning to grow and develop over the coming months and years um more and better Mm -hmm. basically i mean we don't have this the the thing about the library is we don't have projects well we i wouldn't say we have we don't have events we don't have projects Mm. we sit underneath other people doing other things mm. we are like a, a, a foundation or a, a bedrock upon which community events happen because of us mm. so we just sit underneath doing our thing and hopefully more and better and more items we don't really we, now we we had a celebration in november of 2020 when we opened on black friday um or the buy nothing day um and we'll probably have one again mm. and you know we we maybe have some ideas about like offering class on like how to maintain the items you do have or Mm. how best to use the items you do have or how best to use our items in terms of cooking or how to use power tools that we hold so you know we want to 
you know, we want people to use our stuff more and make it easier for people to use us. You know, we're maybe we'll offer a delivery service because some people don't have cars mm-hmm. and they want a big heavy thing and they shouldn't be denied that because they don't have a car. We should in some way get it to them. Now that could be an e-cargo bike, it could be um, an e, 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 um, e-van or whatever. But that's something I'd, I'd like to think about doing is be able to do delivery to make it mm. easier for people to borrow um, and still save money. Um, and then in, in the works, we're looking at, I'm looking at opening one in South Leeds too. Because mm. um, it, it's cruel to have just the one in the city. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When there's multiple communities that could benefit. And you say that, you know, it's op- open to everyone in Leeds, but actually, ideally, you would have one in every postcode, I guess, wouldn't you? Uh, really? Yeah, I don't think, I don't personally think there'd be one in every postcode. Mm. I think that that's still, that's a bit too, I mean, maybe one day, but right now, I think we, you, with the, you know, it wouldn't be every postcode. It'd be every, mm. every quadrant, I think. Okay. I don't know how many people it takes to run it. But this is what's, the last thing that's scary about libraries is. But you think about library libraries, you have a library yeah. in pretty much every postcode. Yeah. So. But yeah. that gets a lot of, um funding from the council it's true whereas we have to kind of pay our own way yeah so you need the volumes uh simply you're not planning to be on top of a huge empire of libraries of things in Leeds then uh no comment <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> no comment um but the one thing that scares me about libraries one thing that's scary is i don't uh, the thing that makes me nervous not about us particularly but i don't think they could work our model of library, like a quite a really big, quite robust one, mm. couldn't work everywhere because I just don't think you'd get the demand. Mm. Because, you know, a small village could have a few things to loan out, but we wouldn't have a 50 square meter room. Mm. And if you have a small library, where do you fit that into a pre Now, you could fit what would be great, I think, is if like community hubs uh, in smaller areas or, or libraries incorporated library of things components into them. Because mm. they can't be a dedicated library. But you could certainly have, you know, the top 20 items... Um, that would take up very little space that could fit into you know it could fit into a normal shop frankly mm. you could have your corner shop that also does the lending of these as well so um, that's what that's the only thing that makes me nervous about small ones small places is the libraries there have done substantially lower volume of borrows mm. than we have yeah. which simply impinges on their ability to, to pay their own way well I suppose it's kind of going back to this idea that they fit so perfectly into a lifestyle where you're you're moving frequently and you're traveling for work and you know yeah and it does fit i think it's about new Mm. it's not for pre-existing organizations or pre-existing homes it's it's for transitions and new and and growth and Mm. and things like that yeah that's what really benefits so a a place that's sort of like on a demographic decline or democratic stagnation then that place wouldn't really have it because those people already already own it it does really help a young place or you know yeah cities where there's a lot of turnover and turnover yeah um finally my final question is how can people find out more about you how can they become members and how can they get involved in the work that you do uh well we're our website is www.buynoutls6.com uh we're highly active on instagram twitter and facebook um, and what's cool if you want to get involved so becoming a membership is pay as you feel so you can make a monthly donation if you want to support us that way um, but you're more than welcome to make a, a zero pound per month um, donation and then donate as and when you use the library and if you want to get even more involved you can obviously you know you know, give us some stuff if you have any stuff that's lying around that you think would be useful um, or you can volunteer with us 
because we're always looking for people to sort of help out and, and get involved. And um, we've got a number of roles that people can sort of do to, to volunteer both sort of in person and online. Um, and I guess just use it. You know, we, we have this wonderful stuff. Um, it's really, really expensive, wonderful stuff that's, you know, have an experiment. Try before you buy, you know, mm. do something you couldn't do before using us. So we've got uh, maybe the best items, the really exciting ones from here. Like I said, this cricket machine, which cuts 300 materials. So you've got an app craft project or now become some crafty entrepreneur bar that we have a 3d printer dehydrator pizza oven um like i said the karaoke machine all the power tools you could ever really need all the gardening equipment we've got several families worth of camping stuff that you can borrow from us and we're looking to to get more and more and more of these really exciting things to allow people to do these um fun projects so you know it's a it's an exciting place to be in and join in borrow the stuff donate stuff and um tell us what you think tell us what we what you think we should get mm. Or um, help us um, help us out and achieve it. Wow, wonderful! It's so exciting. I actually can't wait to come and have a little browse around. <laughs> Thank Please you do. so much for chatting to me. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been a podcast from the Leeds Library. Links to more information about our guests and any works talked about can be found in the description. If you'd like to find out more about the Leeds Library and any of our upcoming events, please visit our website at www.theleedslibrary.org.uk or you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook at The Leeds Library. Thank you for listening and keep your eyes and ears peeled for more tales from the Leeds Library in our future episodes released every Wednesday.